Uh, we got football. It is back, ladies and gentlemen. Happy football, Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever you're celebrating. It's opening night for football, depending on when you're listening to this, as my special guest and I are recording on Thursday night, and we're just a couple hours from Kansas City taking on Houston. Chiefs, Texans, Mahomes, Watson, it's going to be a good game. But guess what? We're not going to talk too much about that game because I'm sure you're going to be listening when the scores are final. Uh, thank you once again for joining me on Fix, another episode. As always, you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. And I'm honored tonight to be joined by a special guest. We have a legend in the Philadelphia sports market. That's John Marks from WIP. And you can hear this man daily from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. with the legend. Mike Reese, just a couple legends talking Philly sports on WIP. Follow John on Twitter at John Marks Media and the same handle on Instagram. So, John, I appreciate your time. I know you just got off the air on WIP, but guess what? Sports talk never ends for us, right? It never ends. No, I, I go to the grocery store. I'm talking sports. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's sports, right? I don't have to do heavy lifting with with the presidential election and Trump Ugh. and. Joe Biden, and I'm glad to not have to deal with any of that. I deal with football. And right now, the Eagles, you know, it, it's it, there's some stuff going on with the team. So it, it, it should be a fun call. Yeah, there is some stuff going on. There usually isn't too much going on in Philadelphia with the Eagles uh, <laughs> and the 76ers, right? But um, that's a little bit of sarcasm. But a lot going on around the Eagles. And, and we're going to start there just to give you guys an outline uh, for those of you that's listening. We're going to get into some Sixers talk and I'm sure we're going to have some some interesting thoughts there. But like everything else, Eagles rules the town, football rules the world. And there's a lot, as John mentioned, surrounding the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm going to start on a broader level with you, John, and then we'll get into some position specifics. But let me just go like right off the bat with a home run here question to you. Is this team overhyped or underhyped in your mind? Um. You know, as we get closer to the start of the season, two, three days ago, I was ready to, to kind of pound my chest and say, Eagles 10 wins, Eagles 11 wins. But, you know, the offensive line issues and, you know, these stories that are coming out about, you know, so un- unhappiness within the Eagles. I'll say this. I was going through predictions today on the various websites, whether it's, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting because this morning I was kind of going through all the websites, CBS Sports, dot com profootballtalk.com bleacher report pro football focused and i think it was 80 percent of the analysts and we're talking about guys that write about the nfl for a living um had the cowboys winning the division and even some of those some of the sites not everybody had the eagles as a wild card in fact most didn't so most people right now that are kind of forecasting the NFC this year, look at the Cowboys as being the clear favorite in the division and probably think they're a 10-win team and they just don't see room for the Eagles sliding in as a wild card based on kind of like the, you know, the division winner is is the one team that goes to the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I, I think the Eagles are a better team than that. And I look at the Eagles this year and I see upside. I do. I see upside with young players. But I think ultimately it's coming down to the lines. It's coming down to the offensive line and it's coming down to the defensive line. If they can adequately protect Carson Wentz, I'm not expecting a line as good as it was in 2017, but if they can adequately protect Carson Wentz and they can figure it out and they got to get some death pieces in there and some young players have to have to play and they have to play well, 
But if they can figure that out and protect Carson Wentz, they'll be fine on offense. And then on defense, if they can get to the quarterback, and like they did in 2017, if they can get constant and consistent pressure on the quarterback, I think the defense will be very good. Not an A-level defense, but a B-level defense. I like the secondary uh, improvement. And if Barnett can get back and Josh Sweat can contribute, I think they can get to the quarterback. So how did they win in 2017? The strength of their lines. Mm-hmm. If, if the defensive line and the offensive line play well, I think this team's going to be just fine. So I, I don't see how the Cowboys are that much better. On paper, maybe. But the Cowboys showed me a lot last year. The Dak Prescott showed me a lot last year. He came up small in big games. So he's got to he's got to prove that he's not that guy. So I I listen at, at the very least it's a toss up between the Cowboys and the Eagles. It's a coin flip. I don't see how eighty percent of the out of, of the writers that I saw today picking the Cowboys. I don't believe that. Yeah, I don't believe it either. And it's John. I feel like every off season, every you know, leading up to Week One, any insert any off season time here before the the NFL season begins, we're talking about how the Eagles are overlooked at least in the Doug Peterson era. I mean, I'm sure, listen, it's Philadelphia. They get overlooked frequently. It's not just in the Doug Peterson era, but especially in this era, especially in the Dak and Carson era, you just feel like, wait a second, (laughs) that's fine. If it's 60-40 Cowboys, even 70-30 Cowboys. But, John, I feel like this is nothing new. Like you saying, you going through Pro Football Focus, CBSSports.com, all those experts, those legitimate journalists and NFL insiders – overlooking the Eagles, it, it, it's a little bit surprising to me. And listen, I'm a negative Nancy, just like the rest of Philadelphia. I think the offensive line issues are a big problem. I think that we're relying on Jason Peters, who once again, we're entering year three or four with Jason Peters talking about how he's old. I mean, at some point that's going to come to fruition. We've seen it, but he's still a top five to 10 guy at his position. But at what point does he completely say, not he say, but at what point do we say Father Time's officially won? I mean, and, and that's not a knock on him, but that day's coming. And then you have Brandon Brooks going down once again. Andre Dillard, we don't know what he is, but he's not going to even be in the in the midst of anything. So there's a lot of question marks. And then, oh, yeah, your franchise quarterback, <laughs> fair or foul, the guy hasn't been able to stay in between the lines when we really need him. Yeah, and, and you're right. I mean, it, it, if it just takes – and sometimes it's a domino effect. Jason Peters goes down. Now who's your left tackle? The left tackle they bring in can't play, right? Yeah. Um, and then so you're moving that prior from right guard over to left tackle. And then who's playing right guard? So, you know, one injury or or Jason Peters not being able to start a game, you could conceivably really screw, screw your team and screw your game. So, um, you know, it, it's interesting because – the things that I like about this team, I really like about this team. I love the wide receivers. I, I love Deshaun Jackson, and I love the upside of Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager practiced fully today. Yeah. People thought he was going to be out for a couple of weeks. I did because of, because of you know a, a, a shoulder tear. He's going to play. I mean, he, he fully participated today. So there is upside with this team, but to me it all comes down to the lines. And if the offensive line can hold up, I think they're going to be okay. I really do. Yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, we're talking with John Marks from WIP. You can listen to him every day, 2 to 6 p.m. with Ike Reese. And here's the thing with the wide receivers, and I want your thoughts a little bit more with this. I'm super excited about them, just the group as a whole. And then some days I'll talk to some people who may not be Eagles fans, uh, you know, and I'm like, huh, yeah, you're right. Deshaun Jackson did only play one game last year. Yeah, you're right. We don't really know what Jalen Rager is, but he has that exciting potential 
can Miles Sanders not only repeat what he did last year, but grow? Boston Scott, that's another variable. Like, there's a lot of variables uh, within this offense at the skill positions, John, that excite me, but they're also unknowns. So I don't really know what my question is there, but that's just kind of how I look at it, and I don't know how you look at it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. If if things like it depends, you could look at it right now and say they're unproven, they're unknown, or you could look at it and say they have great upside. And ultimately, the 16 games is going to decide really what it is, right? So, like for instance, Miles Sanders, he's already hurt. You know, that's yeah. not good. He, he he was limited in practice today. Today's Thursday. He, he hasn't practiced, you know, before this week for preparation. He hasn't really. All right, so I, I, I changed my settings to where the phone doesn't fall asleep. <laughs> I, think, I think we're good. Oh, this is like a, a Saturday Night Live bit, man. I love it. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. I feel oh, bad. Oh, you're good, brother. Yeah. Um, all right, so I, want me to just pick up, pick up what I said again about the wide receivers, and you can just get into it because I, I don't know what I got of that. I got to check. Yeah, yeah, whatever you want to do. All right, cool. Let's do it. Three, two, one. And, and John, listen, I, I agree with you. There's a lot of part. There's a lot of skill positions within this offense on the Eagles that excite me. You look at Deshaun Jackson, and he only played one game. So can he stay healthy? If he can, and he can give you anything like he did in that first game last year, that's a positive. Jalen Rager, his speed excites you, but we don't know what he is. He's a rookie. Miles Sanders, he had a hell of a rookie season. He's on record saying he's going to win MVP. I'm not looking for him to win MVP. I'd like more of the same of last year and see bits and pieces of his game develop. But those are a lot of ifs, aren't they? I mean, how do you look at all this? Yeah, and I'd prefer if he could just be practicing the week of the first game, right? Like, Miles Sanders Sanders got, got banged up a little bit last year, and I'm not sure he can be the bell cow that you're looking for, right? Like, maybe having a second back is more important. He didn't practice he didn't have full practice today. He was a limited participant and he's been banged up a little bit. Yeah. So does that mean that he's going to be iffy for Sunday and he's not going to play? Does that mean that he's going to go out there and he's going to feel a pull in the first quarter and it's going to cost him next week and maybe the week after that. So like Miles Sanders, and I appreciate that he work he's working hard and he's trying to be an MVP candidate. Like you said, let's just build on what you did last year, dude. Yeah. And you know, he he showed he showed that he was a dynamic back at the end of last year, and I want to see him build on that, but just stay healthy. So, you know, I, I'm okay with their running back because I, I think I think their uh, Boston Scott's good. But again, Corey Clement made the team. He's on the injured list now of the quad. He was limited in practice today, so the injury bug continues to bite him. As far as the wide receivers, um, you know, I, I think Rager Rager's going to make an immediate impact year one, and people thought he was going to miss a couple weeks here because of the torn shoulder muscle. And he was a full participant in practice today. So he's going to play. Um, You know, I think what you'll see from Rager this year is you'll see specifically that he's a playmaker and a home run hitter. I don't think he's a number one wide receiver. I don't think he's a, he's going to catch 90 balls a year, but I think he can be a weapon. Same with Deshaun Jackson. Got to stay healthy. But outside of them, I don't know who, who your your other best wide receiver is. And they'll probably lean on the tight ends to be their high-volume catch guys. Deshaun Jackson's never been a high-volume catch guy. Arthago Whiteside showed me no reason to believe that he's going to turn into that guy. I hope I'm wrong. You know, you don't write a guy off after one year. He certainly didn't show a lot of promise last year. So at the very least, Ryan, we know this, that the way they ended last year, and I didn't bring up Greg Ward, who who was 
very reliable this year, and they're going to need him again. Again, or last year he was very reliable. They're going to need him again this year. They couldn't do any worse than the wide receivers they had last year, right? Yeah. They couldn't do any worse. So they're at least improved from that. They have more bodies. They have more potential. So, yeah, listen, do we have the Kansas City Chiefs skill guys? No, we don't necessarily have those guys. But we have a good start. So while you're developing some of these young guys, you're hoping that Deshaun's able to stay healthy enough to play 13 games and be the home run hitter that you signed two years ago. Yeah, and you know what I don't want to see, John, this year? Listen, at the end of the day, I want to see the Eagles get into the playoffs and ideally make a deep playoff push. Ideally hold the Lombardi trophy when it's all said and done, however they get there. So let me just put a disclaimer on that before I get into what I'm going to say. But every year, it's always this this crazy battle of overcoming all of these injuries and Carson Wentz never has his weapons and or Doug Peterson never has his weapons. And last season's a perfect example. The offense was shaky. There was a lot of injuries. They had Uber drivers coming in to play wide receiver. And that's all a factor. But all of a sudden, you start to see Carson Wentz leading the team on and off the field. All of a sudden, you start to see this offense move the ball. And you get those people saying, well, Doug Peterson has to have his hand forced to go to that 12 personnel, to really utilize Ertz and Goddard. And then all of a sudden they're able to have success when they try and get real fancy with their toys, so to speak, that's when it's too much for them. And I want to see this year a dynamic offense and Doug Peterson really be able to utilize his weapons because we really haven't seen that at all in this era. No, I mean, look, look back at 2016. He was throwing right. the Bryce Treggs. Carson Wentz was. So 2017, Howie made a point to say, listen, for Carson Wentz to develop in year two, we need to add. We need weapons. He went out and got Alshon Jeffrey. He brought in Torrey Smith. I mean, he made a concerted effort to give him more weapons. Now, the one thing that bothered me in the draft this year was that, you know, for all that we want to make fun and rip Dallas and Jerry Jones, they also went up and they got a – a bona fide young stud wide receiver that a lot of people thought was should have been the first wide receiver picked in the draft while the Eagles did not. And then they used their second round draft pick. Now they got Jalen Rager in the first round, but they Mm -hmm. used their second round draft pick on a quarterback. Right. So, I mean, you know, maybe an offensive lineman there, maybe realizing that Brandon Brooks, it it gets injured quite a bit. That Lane Johnson, again, angle ankle is hurt. That Jason Peters is old. That Andre Dillard has been scared to death (laughs) after year one. That Jason Kelsey is old and could be listen. Jason Kelsey could be retired any year. Any year he could be retired. So to use a second round draft pick on a quarterback, you're almost rooting for Carson Wentz to get injured for it to pay off, right? So I, what you're seeing right now with the Eagles and their personnel is Howie for a couple years now has been scrambling to fill in holes that haven't been haven't been met with draft picks in free agency, and that's a tough way to live. You know, 2017. You know, you get kind of lucky with selecting the right players and everybody seemed to work out. It's not usually like that. So, you know, with Carson, it's nothing else. Even if it means this year that they're taking a step back, you have to freaking build the team so you can take a run with this guy. That means offensive line. That means skill guys. And, you know, Howie's kind of fell short. So I like the wide receivers that he signed this year. He does. He does. Once again, I feel like we give passes out a lot in this town for various reasons. And at the same point, we're very critical. But 
Howie said what after the season this past year? We got to get younger. We're not going to rebuild, but we're going to retool. He might have said something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing. Well, you insert COVID-19 and everything that's taken place. You don't have an offseason. They practice what, for about three weeks, maybe. They're not hitting. And, you know, Howie made a decision. Okay, we'll bring back Jason Peters. Maybe we won't get as younger as I wanted to, and we'll try and take another swing at things. Yes. We just rattled off a lot of names that are young, but I don't think it was the the retool that Howie really wanted it to be, and that's not even 100% his fault. Yeah, I mean, there's you're never going to rebuild. The NFL no. is not like a rebuilding league, especially when you have you know as much talent or players on this roster. I mean, let's face it, they still have along the lines. They're an older team. Right? They don't have a lot, lot of young players on their line and they, they I mean and the guys are making a lot of money too so at some point you got to turn that over I, I don't know if they looked at this as kind of like a two or three year process to where they're hoping maybe in 2021 2022 they're like they're the team that people are talking about to win the NFC but to do that and to be that the players that they're drafting need to be contributors players that they've already drafted need to turn into yeah. those pro bowl type players and just looking at the 2017 draft Derek Barnett's pretty much the only thing left standing. And listen, has he been a disappointment? I mean, he flashed. He's made some big plays. But ultimately, yes, I, I think he was. Sidney Jones is gone. Russell J- Douglas is gone. Matt Collins is gone. The rest of the draft, for the most part, is a wash. So you can't have that and remain competitive in the NFL from year to year. That's just the bottom line. So how he's got to do yeah, that. Yeah, I think it's a great point. It. And it's going to be interesting to see. There's a lot of question marks. There's a lot of reasons to be excited. I think there's a lot of reasons to be cautiously excited, but they have number 11 and there's still some people clamoring for uh, the backup quarterback in Chicago. I think that's a whole nother topic. Um, But last question on the Eagles, John, before we have like five minutes of Sixers talk, let's talk about number 11. Let's talk about Carson Wentz. What are your expectations for him? Um, You know, top level quarterback. Yeah, that's it. And, And it's, you know, it's less about stats. Look at Dak Prescott. He threw for 5,000 yards last year. If you're a fantasy owner of uh, of Dak Prescott, you probably loved him. But I watched so many games where he compiled numbers. There was the Packers game where they got blown out early, and he played poor, poorly early and padded those stats in the second half. So, like in 2018, Carson Wentz put up great numbers. Go back and look at his numbers. High completion percentage, low touchdown or low interception rate, great touchdown rate. He didn't play well. Like, he didn't come up big in spots. Now, you can say he was injured. You can say his personnel wasn't all there. Like, like that, that's fine. But for me, it's more important that he's playing well when it counts. And that means fourth quarter. That means coming from behind. And that's what I expect from him this year. I never look at Carson Wentz as a guy that's going to be a Peyton Manning type where he has the highest completion percentage and he has the most – yards and everything else like I don't necessarily want him throwing it 40 to 45 times a game I would prefer that he throws a little bit less I almost look at Carson Wentz as almost like an AFC North quarterback yes. if that makes any sense like a more athletic yeah. Ben Roethlisberger right I don't need him throwing it throwing it 50 times a game he just needs to be good when it counts and what he showed me last year is that he can lead his players look at him and say this guy can play and he to me, at the end of last year, even though it was against bad teams, and they were bad teams, that's just the truth, he still came up big, 
he still rose to the occasion and he still led his team. And yeah, that's I, I I'm, I'm with you 100%. And this was my, I guess you can call it, take last year on the airwaves. And I, I just want your thoughts. I think we're on the same page. But I would often bring up Russell Wilson because I, I, I was maybe even overly critical of Carson Wentz at times over the past couple seasons. And I would say, listen, I view him as an MVP candidate. I view him as the guy pre-injury in L.A. Super Bowl run. That is my standard. So if I'm, if I'm knocking him, it's because he's falling short of that. It doesn't mean he's not even great, but that's my standard. And maybe your standard is a little bit more realistic and logical with he doesn't need to throw 40 to 45 times. He needs to make plays when they're there in crunch time and clutch moments, and I'm fine with that too. But last year was frustrating because I would always say, look at Russell Wilson. He just he finds a way to always make that team in Seattle super dangerous. He's always making plays, and it doesn't seem to matter who he has up lined up with him. And that's what I want out of Carson eventually. I'm not even saying this year, but I want progress this year. And I guess that's just my overall take on number 11. Finding a way to win a game is, is a, I mean, it's actually perfect. Because there were times last year where he didn't find a way to win a game, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, New England comes to mind. Seattle comes to mind. And by the way, like, that's okay. But, like, that's ultimately what you want. Uh, The previous year in in Tennessee where they lost the game, where they gave up, it was like fourth and 20-something. And, but you know what? Like, if Carson plays better in the fourth quarter, maybe they win that game. Same thing with Carolina in 2018. They blew a lead. It's, oh, the defense blew a lead. Yeah, but the offense right. also wasn't scoring points. Sometimes you need to score points. But with all that being said, like, just I, I, I need to see him this year make progress again. I saw it at the end of last year. I agree with you that I am judging Carson Wentz to the level that he played in 2017. That's what I saw, and that's what I believe he can be. So that's what I expect. I'm not going to give him. I'm not going to give him a pass when he doesn't play well. When he doesn't play well, he doesn't play well. He had a period last year where he was not playing well. Um, so, listen, he's got to win games, and it doesn't mean that you have to win the Super Bowl every year. Some, I mean, you're only as good as the rest of your team, but the quarterback has the most control of any player in any sport, and he's going to be judged like that. Yeah, no, I'm with you. He's going to get mind. the praise when they win, and guess what? If they're not winning, I'm going to come down on them, and, and I'm sure you are too. I'm sure Ike is, and everyone else. To a degree. I mean, he could have an outstanding game and the defense blows it fine. But overall, the bigger body of work, you're going to know as a fan, regardless of where you're sitting, what you have behind center at quarterback. So this is a big year for Carson Wentz. He seems to have the weapons. Hopefully, like you said, John, we don't need him to hit a grand slam, but we need to see progress and we need to see him in those big moments deliver more times than not. Uh, John, I appreciate your time with me, man. And I want to wrap up the show here just talking some Sixers because this is really how I ended up getting you on uh, with me on the fix here just to talk some sports. And that's the Philadelphia 76ers. And (laughs) five minutes isn't enough for me, but we're going to keep it short and sweet. Uh, This team is a mess, and you hear everyone clamoring for Brett Brown to be fired. That ends up happening. I'm sitting here saying, (laughs) that's great. But that is not the answer, and it's nowhere close to the answer. And I'm not talking about Allen Iverson. This team has a lot of issues in the front office. I think the ownership is a lot to blame as well. I don't think that's an answer we can ever get definitive, but that's my opinion. How do you look at this as we're watching Jimmy Butler advance to the Eastern Conference Finals down in Miami? 
<laughs> frustrated. Um, you know, I, I agree with you that Brett Brown, like, listen, it was time for Brett Brown to go because the, the only move that they can make right now is trying to bring in a new coach who can talk some sense uh, into Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. But the, the problems r- run much deeper than Brett Brown. I agree with you. And here, here's what I'll say about, about Elton Brand and the rest of the organization. I know that Elton Brand was GM in name, but there were far too many people in that organization, including non-basketball people, that had, that had a, a, a large voice, a heavy voice in, in decisions. And I think sometimes with the Sixers, business – drives what the Sixers are going to do. They've had so many sellouts in a row. Yeah. They lead the league in attendance. That matters. When you have two young stars and you're selling the place out, you're printing money down there. But ultimately, if you want to win a championship, things need to change. So Elton Brand now, from what I hear, he legitimately and really has kind of control of the organization, and he's going to be able to go forward as the chief decision maker. Here's the problem. What, what moves can you make? Outside of trading Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, which I don't believe they're going to do, they don't have cap space. They have a mid-level exemption that they can use. The problem with that is they're in the luxury tax. So any move they would make, like if they signed a $4 million player, it really cost them $20 million. So I would be surprised if they did that. And what is that really going to do anyway? They're broken. This team is broken. And you know what? I'll start with Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid is a talent. And Joel Embiid might go somewhere else and win something because he's that, he's that talented. But I'm tired of this guy's act, man. I am. I don't. I mean, if he was a wing player, if it was a different time in the NBA, if it was 1993 and you could play in the low post and that was the game, maybe you, you deal with his nonsense. I'm I'm tired of Joel Embiid and I'm done wow. with Joel Embiid. If I'm gonna build, a, if I'm gonna build a team, I'm gonna do it with Ben Simmons. And by the way, I, I we had Brian Scalabrini on the show a couple weeks ago. He believes that trading Joel Embiid you would be surprised at how little you would get in return for him because what team is out there right now looking to, to center their offense or have their offense centered around a seven foot two, very skilled player that doesn't have the fitness, that'll never have the fitness. I don't think he's built like that. Injury um, prone. <laughs> just, it's not the injury yeah. prone. He's a pain in the ass. He's not a good leader. You know, I love the talent and I'm disappointed that we've gotten here, but if we're being real, these two ain't going to work together. They're just not. And I'd rather have Ben Simmons almost playing Joel Embiid's position and you get a a, 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 a guard in here that, that does not afraid to shoot it, a Kemba Walker type. How about Kyle Lowry? I watched that game last night. What a great game with the Celtics that game was unbelievable. last night. They yeah. need a Kyle Lowry guy. They need, guys, they need somebody with balls. There's nobody I, on this team that has any balls. They sat there and they lost and they knew they were going to oh, lose. I love and they it, looked like it. I love Someone's it, man. I, I'm up. with you. Um, and, and listen, the, you know what the most frustrating part is with the 76ers? And, and you just brought up a massive point and a massive valid issue. That is only one part of this puzzle. I mean, you can pick any angle and you can attack it just like you did, and it can be 100% valid. You have two superstars that are scared to death to lead a, a, a locker room of men. Boys, really, in Philadelphia. That's what it is. And for me... I wasn't in that locker room. This is just my opinion. This is just my perception. You look at Jimmy Butler and some of the negativity that, sur- that surrounded him in Minnesota um, and in, even in Chicago when he was really young, I thought that was baloney. And, and I think you can finally see that now as he has the right situation around him. He has P- Pat Riley, one of the all-time great basketball minds who believes in him. They have the coach and they have the right pieces where he's able to lead, be himself, and dominate on and off the floor. 
The 76ers didn't see that. Why? Because Brett Brown wasn't able to hold either of his stars accountable. He wasn't able to work alongside Jimmy Butler. They had to protect him. They had to protect Ben Simmons, who they babied from day one, and they're continued to baby, as well as Joel Embiid. So now Jimmy Butler's in the Eastern Conference Finals, and Joel Embiid is eating milkshakes from Chick-fil-A on his couch. And like, I, I don't know where this team goes from here. They give Tobias Harris a max contract. Tobias Harris, I Googled like three weeks ago, John, the highest paid players in the NBA bubble at the time. Tobias Harris was like number four on that list. The other names on that list, Chris Paul, Paul George, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard. Are you kidding me? Tobias Harris doesn't even touch Chris Middleton. And you're stuck with this guy's contract now. I mean, it is an absolute mess. I 